You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Anymore. Hey, let's pray, because um, we're going to pray for our nation. I don't know if you've noticed the outside's a bit crazy. I don't know if you watch the news. It's a bit uh, chaotic in the nation of Australia. And uh, we serve a supernatural, powerful God. And we're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for the storm to subside. We're going to speak to the storm. We're going to pray protection over families and over homes that no lives gets lost. No more lives get lost, if any. I don't know. We're praying for healing, protection, and restoration. So join with me. Right now, Father, you have given us authority to speak against the storm. Lord, so we command the storm to be still. Lord, we command, Father, the floods to uh, reduce juice, Lord. And right now we ask that you send every single angel, Lord, from heaven to be dispatched right now to protect families that need it, Lord. Lord, that protect homes, Lord. We protect lives, Lord. I pray that you do what only you can do, Lord. And we stand in faith and we intercede for our nation of Australia, Lord, right now that they will see hope in you, Father. Communities will come together to help one another in need, Lord. And we thank you as we get through the storm that our country will be stronger together, in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen. Well, 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 amen. So awesome. You know what? Sarah's word is spot on. Uh, I, have a, I have a message prepared, but God has something else prepared. Uh, and there's a fire in this place um, that needs to break out of this place. There's something in this place that you and I have that honestly can't stay in here anymore. We're in a series, The World Outside Your Window. All you need to do is look outside your window. Look at your family, your friends, those who don't know Christ, and you need to see that there is a hopelessness in their eyes, and they need this fire that's inside of you to be released from you so they can encounter the truth and the Jesus that you and I have encountered. So, are you ready for that? Oh, come on, good. But before we talk about Jesus, I want to talk about shopping. <laughs> How's that for a bit of a tangent? You know, like just quietly, I'm done with the stereotype that women are the shoppers. Can I just say, maybe you're the shoppers in groceries. And please continue that because us men don't care about groceries. But we love shopping for stuff, don't we? Anyone here love shopping for brand new shoes? Anyone like shopping for brand new clothes? Come on. Come on, guys. Let's be truthful. We love it. And COVID has taught us something in this. Is this, right? What COVID has taught us is that we didn't have to drive to the shops anymore to buy stuff. I praise Jesus. Can we get any lazier than what we're getting as a humanity? But we're just like, you know what? I don't have to drive anymore. I don't have to park my car. I can just jump online and buy it today. And I love it. Like, we get excited, especially when you go on the website and you see something on sale. And then it says, for $4.95, you get it delivered. And you're like, oh, Jesus is good. God is faithful. I don't even have to get outside my door. I don't have to go outside my window because I can shop online. But no, we get outside our doors. And, um, and we click the button, the buy now. And I get really excited. And then that stupid line comes up on my email. It says, your order is in process. All right, what the heck does process mean? I want it like, you know, what do you mean? So I Google. I don't know if you do this. I've done this. I actually go on Google and I go, how long does the process waiting for? Because... Um, 
I kind of want my shoes. And, uh, and it doesn't ever tell you. And so you think to yourself, what are you guys doing? How hard is it? How hard is it? Get my stuff, put it in a, in a truck and deliver it to me today. And it's still saying in process. But what we don't know is that in that process, once you've clicked buy, there's a whole bunch of people actually at work to get those items to your door. We don't see the process We see the end result. And some of us forget that that same process takes place in salvations. And we don't even know. We see the big altar calls. We see people getting saved. We see see the hands go up. We see them slain in the spirit. And we see that's it. But there's a whole process taking place before that actual encounter with Jesus. Jesus called us in Matthew 28. It says, therefore, go. You've heard it before. But hear this. All authority, all the authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Now, he's the head, you're the body. So what he has, you have. So for that authority, go. 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 Make disciples, baptizing them. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them what I have obeyed. Uh, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Would we all agree that there's, a, there's a, a, a lost and hurting world that needs to hear this good news? Can we all be in agreement with that this morning? We all do it. Okay, good. We all agree. Great. Great. We know this to be true. Then why don't some of us feel that we can do that? Why don't we feel that we can actually go and tell this world about Jesus? Be honest with me. If we know that there's a need, if we know that there's the answer with us, then why don't we go? What stops us from going? We have good news. We're called with the Holy Spirit. If you're like me, I get a little paral- uh, like paralyzed sometimes. When the Holy Spirit prompts me, sometimes it's like, hey, tell them that Jesus loves them. I'm like, I don't want to tell them that Jesus loves them. Like, they look scary big with tattoos and what if he yells at me? Like, does anyone else get paralyzed sometimes? Come on, let's be honest. We get, we get a bit paralyzed. Okay, good. We're in the right place. That's great. Sometimes we believe that we don't have that much to offer. Yeah, maybe, maybe we're not as like scary looking as Daz and people will listen to Daz because he's big tattooed and he, who's not going to listen to Daz, right? And, and, and we think, I'm not as charismatic. Maybe I don't have, uh, what about this? I don't have all the questions or the answers. What if I say, Tim, God loves you. And then Tim turns around and goes, show me there's a God. I don't know, like look around maybe. And I don't know, maybe Tim is like studied in science and all of a sudden he, he, he knows all this stuff. And then we're like, you know what? I don't really want to tell because what if I don't know the answers? I look like an idiot. Maybe I'll keep my mouth shut. Maybe I'll just be nice to people. Go tell them about Jesus. Uh, what about, what about, what if I get into an argument? Or, or what if, what if, what if, what if, and, and we're held back? What about is, I don't know how to lead someone to Jesus. I don't know how to save someone. And, and, and because of this mentality, we believed the lie, maybe, that our job is to save people. We've already then taken ourselves out of the game. Because church, your job is not to save anyone. It's His job to save everyone. That's His job. Your job is just to go and tell them. You don't have to save anyone. Get that pressure off you. You don't have to lead them to an altar prayer. If you get the chance to, that's beautiful. Go for it. We have that responsibility. But the pressure is, is not that you go out and save every single person you meet because, whew, that's a lot of pressure. And the Bible doesn't tell you. It just says, go. Go plant. So anyway, 
There is a, your job isn't to save people. That's God's job. But you and I, we actually have a role to play which lies in the process of their salvation. You and I have a role to play in someone's salvation story. I'm going to show you in Romans 10, 13. It says, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And usually preachers say that, and I've said that on an altar call, and we go, everyone who calls upon the Lord shall be saved. And we're like, yes, but how then, the Bible says, can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in someone they're not even heard of? Then how can they hear without someone preaching to them? I love that Leo touched on this, and maybe you're away, but the word preaching isn't what I'm doing today. That's not what the Bible says. The word preaching is proclaiming. To proclaim is to say of good news. That's your role, to speak of good news. And then it says, how can they preach unless they are sent? You're all commissioned this morning to be sent. And to be a bringer of good news everywhere you go. And then it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We have good news and it needs to go out. Last week, if you watched Daz on stage, his mate got up. And it's like like 20 years or something of addiction. And then in one moment, bam! Jesus got him. Life changed forever. And I'm watching that going, man, go Daz. Like, go Daz, leading him to salvation. And it's like, bam, how could I ever do that? I don't have that kind of anointing. Actually, we all have the same anointing. The Holy Spirit anoints us, by the way. It's not personality. It's him. The only way I can do this is because he's anointed me to speak, right? He's anointed you to speak. But, but, but there's a process. You know, for me, I got saved. My mom dragged me to church. She dragged me and my brother to church. We didn't want to go kicking and screaming. And then one night, one what, it was a night Sunday night service. It was preached. The gospel was preached. And I was like, oh, I'm drawn to it. Front, bam, never looked back. Saved, completely saved. But what you don't know is there was a process to my salvation. You don't know that there was a family for 20 years ago, every day or every week, would invest in my mom, would always talk to me about Jesus, will, will, will sow seeds. There was a, a, another occurrence where I went to youth group when I was 15 years old. And I only went to smoke and look at girls. To be honest, I told my mom this morning, all good it's out there but that's what I did right um and, and there were youth leaders there just loving on me despite the fact that I was annoying little brat you know what you don't know that when I was 7 10 I used to go to Sunday school and I used to be kicked out of Sunday school because I was that little naughty kid in the back corner but the teachers would still love on me and believe in me there's a process to my salvation God uses people to sow the seed and I'm saying each and every one of you are part of someone's process of salvation now the better you know that the more equipped you'll be with every encounter you make with other people when you know you're a part of someone's process all of a sudden what you do and what you say has purpose into someone else's life you don't need to see the end result you just need to know you're a part of the end result amen so the title of this message is you're in the process You're in the process. Nudge someone. Go, hey, you're in the process. You're in someone's process. You're in someone's process this morning. And without your input in their process, hear me out, it could take that person just a little bit longer to hear the gospel of Jesus. Every process is important. So number one, what do we know about process? Number one, your story should point to his story. Your story should point to his story, not to you. 
We're not building followers towards ourselves. We are a nameless and faceless people building everyone to Jesus, pointing to Jesus saying, come and look, come and see this man, come join me. But before they want to hear his story, they need to hear your story. And only you can tell your story to your tribe. And 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But in your hearts, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Everybody say always. What does always mean? Good crowd. You guys have got a church. Always means always gives yourself a pat on the back. You have passed um, English or whatever this night. Yeah, English. Um, Always means always. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. How prepared are you to give an answer if you were to walk out that door to even account for why you believe what you believe? You're not in this room because you're just like, I think God's true. I might just come. You're in this room because you believe. Now, the Bible's telling us to give an account for why we believe. Give the reason for the hope that you have. You better have a hope in something greater than what's happening in the world because it's the hope in us is what the church needs to bring out there. There's a hope in us, but we need to be ready to give an account. Do this with gentleness and respect. Each of us has a story, a reason why you believe what you believe. We all have a testimony. We've all experienced something. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in this room. If you hadn't experienced something, if you hadn't experienced God, if you didn't have an encounter with Jesus, then you're here for the first time or the second time, and you will experience an encounter with Jesus. The reason why I kept showing up is because of my first encounter. I have a story. You have a story. Now, a story is like a seed. It carries power. It's mysterious and potent, and when it falls in the human heart, it takes root, and it starts to grow. But there's two, real quick, there's two ways to tell a story. There's two ways. We've got producers. Any producers in the house? (laughs) I see that hand. Hey, uh, anytime you move a hand as a pastor or preacher, we take that hand. So if you're scratching your head, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Then you know. That's why, anyway. And there's producers and curators. So a producer, I can fall into this category because we want to look good with our story. This is what a producer does. He cleans up the story. He polishes it. He makes it sound amazing. He, and he uses it for an illustration, for, for whatever. And he says things like, he says to himself, hey, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. You know, it's like, oh, there were 50,000 people on Sunday and I preached to 50,000 people. And like 10,000 got, like, it's like, dude, it's like 200 fit in that building, right? Producers make the story look better. And we don't want to be producers, Curators is what we want to be. Because what a curator does, he understands the value of something just as it is. He understands that it's his responsibility to look after that story, to share that story, and not have to change and pretty the story. You don't need to pretty up your story. You don't need to pretty up the story of Jesus. Hey, he did a good enough job on himself right in that Bible. We don't need to make it seem like it's this. You come to Jesus and you'll never have a problem again. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's come to Jesus and problems are coming and storms are coming, but you're going to have God on your side. Now that's a good story. Tell your story. It's the most powerful tool. We read this in Mark chapter 5. If you want to write that down, I'll turn over there. We hear a story how a man was possessed by a demon. um, And Jesus goes up to get rid of this demon. And he speaks to this demon. Hey, what's your name? 
And the demon goes, legion, for we are many. 6,000 demons in one person, right? And in Mark 5, it says that he, 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 um, he casts them out into pigs, thousands of pigs, and they fall off. That was you being possessed by 6,000 demons, and then you were healed, and then you were in your right mind. Would you have a story to tell or what? Now, now this is what Jesus says. They were all afraid, so they asked Jesus to leave, which blows my mind, hey? You see, someone asked me about the Bible. I was like, hey, Jesus did all this good stuff. Why do people hate him? It's a great question. How do we even start? Hmm. But we're not going to answer that today. It's next week. Jesus said, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. And this is what happened. The man went away. He began to proclaim, to preach, to tell the good news in his town how much Jesus has done for him. And guess what? Everyone marveled. When you go and tell your story to your home or whatever encounter you've had with Jesus, what the Lord has done for you, you go home and tell your story and watch people marvel at what God has done in your life. I promise you. Now we'll marvel at what God has done. This guy had a story. But when you tell your story, sometimes you get persecution. Anyone? Hello? Anyone being persecuted because of a story? Hands up. Who's ever lost friends because of Jesus? Who's ever lost family because of Jesus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Persecution is coming when you tell your story because we live in a culture where we don't like different anymore. Where it's all like, it looks like you're better than me. It looks like you're advancing. You're this holy guy. I don't like change. And you know what? There's this man in John 9 who was born blind. He's born blind and Jesus heals him like that. And the Pharisees, this is what they say to him. They said, they said, give glory to God. We know this man's a sinner, talking about Jesus. And the blind man replies and he goes, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. And they continue questioning. He goes, I don't know why. I don't know how it happened. I was this, but now I am this. And it says that they threw him out and said, how dare you lecture us? I don't know about you, but maybe you're going back to someone and said, I don't know. I used to be this way, but now I'm like this. I was lost, but now I'm saved and they might reject you they might push you away but they can't silence the story that's within you don't let them silence you you have good news to share we're in a lost and hurting world and the last thing we need to do is keep our mouths shut my son will drive in a school and um oh yeah he's very funny We're, we're, we're driving to school and we're listening to the radio and uh, all good Christian people listen to Hope 103.2 every morning, breakfast with Sam. And um, if you've listened to it, I'm actually on the radio quite a bit. I love calling them up and just telling my stories. <laughs> they remember me as the guy who jumped up on stage one day late for church. I was on worship. I jumped up on stage and, and, and I was running up. Sorry, TV crew. I was running up and I jumped up and I missed in the other venue and I tripped and I face planted on the floor. I split my pants and, and in front of everyone, church about to start. So every, I've called the radio station and they're like, oh, Sal, you're the guy who split his pants. I'm like, that's me. I'm the guy who split my pants. You're talked about a lot in this radio station. I'm, Praise Jesus. My, my stupidity is doing it. But he's listening to it and, and I'm driving and he starts yelling. He's like, that's not good. And I'm, whatever. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? What, what, what do you mean? And he goes, they, 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 they're saying all this bad stuff. I said, buddy, it's the news. 
or it's going to get buzzed off. But dad, it's a Christian radio station. They shouldn't be saying bad stuff. You know, Christians shouldn't be saying bad stuff. We've got good news to bring to a hurting world. The last thing they need is Christians with bad stories. Bring your story. Bring your story. You see, I have a story. When I was born, when I was born, babies have this a lot when they're born. They have, they have a clot in their head and then it goes away. Mine didn't go away. So someone tampered with it. They tampered with it so bad that it got infected. So bad so that it, it, it started developing this bacteria inside my skull, in my head. And um, I got scars. Doctors operated. They couldn't fix it. There was a point where my head was bubbling. I had all these bubbles on my head. Two-week-old baby, bubbles of things. And then my grandma was doing something. The doctor gave me cream. They put the cream on my head, and these bubbles exploded. And they rushed me to the hospital. And um, they, they did surgery, and they said, they could, they, we can't do anything about it. We've tried to remove it. We can't, we're not going in there again. If it hits his brain, he's going to be a vegetable. There's nothing we can do. You imagine my mom hearing that? And she gets a call one week when I was three weeks old. No one could touch me. She gets a phone call. Come to the hospital now. She's like, what the heck's going on? We don't know how. We don't know what happened. But there is nothing in his head. We can't explain it, but it's all God. You have a story. You have a story to share how God has touched your life. Use your story. And before I move on, if you're a Christian and you've been saved your whole life, and I think I'm looking at you, I think you've been brought up a Christian. I think you've been saved your whole life. Janae, am I correct? Yes, there's nothing you want to confess to your family before we move on. Beautiful, good. Mom and dad, good job. Janae's story is just as powerful as the drug addict addict who got saved. Because her story is my children's story. That they were raised up in the house of God. They had parents who loved them. And now they didn't have to try the world because they know Jesus is good. It doesn't matter what you've done. You have a story. Share it. Number two. Number two. And make sure it leads them to Jesus like the woman at the well. Come and see a man that I have done. Come and see a man who told me everything about me. That was saved because it was pointing to Jesus. You always have to bring it back to Jesus. And this is my second point. Seeds must be planted. Seeds must be planted. Tell them your story. But then seeds must be planted along the journey. I don't know how many of you guys and girls love gardening. Any gardeners in this place? Timmy, I know you're a gardener. We've got gardeners. Anyone in the middle likes gardening? Would you like gardening? I'm coming over your place. My mother-in-law, if you go to my mother-in-law's backyard, mom, if you're watching, I love you. Her backyard, she brought Calabria with her, okay? <laughs> Honestly, to this day, it's like I'm in Sicily. It's like, when the moon hits your right. I'm like, hey, I'm back in Italy. It's beautiful. And, um, and, and she loves her gardens, right? And if you go over there for dinner, Jay, you can testify to this. Everything on that plate comes from her garden. Her, her fruit, her vegetables, her meat, everything has come. Yes, her meat has come from the backyard, okay? You don't want to know what we ate. It didn't speak human. It's fine. It might have 
flew around the skies of pigeon. But that's not the story, right? Because what happens is she knows the power of the seeds when she scatters them into her garden. She's actually sowing. Um, she's actually sowing for the next harvest to come. If she doesn't sow the seed, there's no harvest to take in. If we don't sow a seed, doesn't matter how well we preach, doesn't matter how amazing church is. If we're not out there sowing seeds into people's lives, there is no harvest to come. We eat and we reap from the seeds we have sown. But only you can reach your tribe. I can't reach the people Herman reaches. Only Herman can reach his crew. Only you can plant seeds where you go. I can't. And that's why Jesus saying all of us to go and scatter the seeds. Here Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, talking about who's greater. They're having a a talk about who's the best, who's the greatest. I follow Paul, I follow Apostle, I follow... Paul goes, you know what? I plant the seed. Apollo waters it, but God has been making it grow. So neither one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. We're a nameless and faceless people, which is a great thing. Take the pressure off. We don't have to be superstars. But only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And then you receive your reward for your labor. Because what? We are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building. Sow the seed. Remember, don't do something that God hasn't called you to do. Don't do something God hasn't called you to do. He hasn't called you to grow anything. He's called you to sow everything. And when you sow, sow the whole gospel. It's got to be about his story. So start with Jesus loves you. He saved, Jesus loves you. He wants the best for you. He wants favor. Like we often hear that, right? We hear the good stuff about Jesus. But why do we need saving? Like, have you ever thought they need to know what they're being saved from? They need to know that our sin sends us to hell. They need to know that there is nothing we can do to be good enough for God. They need to know the whole gospel. Jesus was unashamed to teach the whole gospel, the kingdom of heaven that is here. We need to be not preaching a simple, uh, sorry, an easy gospel alone. Yes, tell them Jesus loves them. Tell them Jesus saved them. But what did he save them from as well? And only you can do that in your timing, yeah? Don't feel like you have to tell someone straight away you're going to hell. That's not what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. When someone gets saved and they've given their life to Jesus, it's time to water that seed. Because you know what the enemy does? The enemy does this in Mark. So Jesus talks and he says, listen, listen. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds, they fell along the path, and the birds came out and devoured it. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where it had not much soil, and immediately it sprung up. Since it had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had had no root, it withered away. Other seeds fell along amongst thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. But... Other seeds fell on good soil and brought up forth grain, growing and increasing 30, 60, and 100 fold. Then Jesus says, whoever has ears, let him hear. We're not farmers. We live in Sydney. What the heck does that mean? Thank you, Jesus, for giving us the answer for what that means. He said this, the sower sows the word. 
And, there are, and these are the ones along the path, your neighbors, your friends, those you know, your family. Where the word is sown, they hear the word. But Satan immediately comes and takes away the word which is sown in them. And, 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 and these in the like manner are the ones who sown upon rocky ground, who hear the word. You know, people who hear, they get saved, they're excited. It's an amazing receiving of joy. But because there's no roots, because it's not been watered in, in, in themselves, they endure it for a while. But because of tribulation and persecution, on account of the word, they immediately fall away. And then there are ones who, um, they're like the thorns. They hear the word, but the cares of the world, the delight in riches and the desires for other things, enter in and choke the word but for those who have good soil they're the ones who hear it accept it and bear fruit and guess what each one of us is responsible for watering the seed that has been sowed each one of us should be responsible I'm going to water the seed what does watering the seed look like hey Satan is smart he knows you can't go after this book you can't go after it the word of God stands eternal okay it smashes Satan away so what he does he tries to steal the seed away from our hearts you know you've ever come away from a service and you're like on the floor and you're like you're crying God change me and then you walk out and then the enemy what he wants to do he just wants to steal that um, seed from your heart so it doesn't take root the first thing we need to do when that happens is we need to be praying and we need to be interceding and we need to be speaking God's word over that seed over the family member that you've invested in over your family. Do you know I had family members I led them right here, crying, weeping. Word went in. There was no, for some reason, they walked away. It didn't take root. Was I praying for them? Honestly? No, I didn't. And that was on me. And so I've repented. But you know what it makes me, it's not my, salvation is not our responsibility, it's theirs. But what I wanted, should have done is I should have been checking up on them. I should have been like, hey, you guys doing okay? Do you need to do an alpha course? Do you need something? How do I get this word in you so you're in good soil? Come to church on Sunday. Come back. Get your place where you're being watered. Maybe for some of us, we need to be praying for our kids, praying for our families, praying for those. Continue. Who's got children in this place? You sowed seed in their hearts. Continue watering the seed even though you don't see result. Pray for them get the word of God in them man 20 plus years ago I was working at a surf shop and and, and I was I was encouraging this young woman she was very worldly and so I was always just you know being me and just telling her God loves and just just sowing seeds right nothing happened I didn't see any change two years ago 20 plus years later she bumps into me she's like Sal Sal I'm like I don't know your name how do you remember my name that's bad remember names she's like you wouldn't believe it I'm a Christian. I was like, what? Not only that, we're pastors in a church just around this area. I'm like, what? She goes, you have no idea what you did in my life when you continued to share Jesus and all this stuff. You might think it did nothing, but my life's transformed because you had a part to play. We are in a process. Sow your seeds and water them. The third thing is, it doesn't matter if you... Like, it's good to tell your story. It's good to sow the seed. But number three is where it all kicks in. To be part of someone's salvation means that your life should be worth imitating. It should be worth imitating. If they're seeing your life and they're hearing your speech and they contradict each other, it doesn't matter what we sow. 
Sometimes we need to hear this. And it, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Don't be condemned. Be encouraged. As long as it is today, we can make that change to become more like Christ. Amen. It says this in Ephesians 5.1. Be imitators of God. Imitate Jesus. Live as Jesus lived. They don't, people don't want to know how much you know. They, want to, they don't want to know that you're the smartest person in the world. They don't want to know that you've got the coolest clothes, that you have the coolest church. What they want to know is this. Does this word work? Is it real? I am watching your life because if it's not real, I don't want it. I'm done with fakeness. If this word is real, then I want it. And they are watching us. Why is it that when sinners stuff up, they don't say a thing, but when Christians stuff up, it's all over the media? And you know, they're watching you, and the moment you fail, they go, ha, see, see, it doesn't work. But deep down inside, they're wanting it to work because they see that hope in you. And they're like, I want what you have. And it doesn't mean we need to be perfect because Paul says this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me. I don't want to say it. (laughs) But imitate me as I imitate Christ. But this is it. He wasn't proud. He wasn't self-seeking. He called himself the foremost sinner whom God saved by grace alone. He knew his weakness. He knew his struggles, but lives his whole life by faith in Christ. He put no confidence in himself, but no confidence in his flesh, but rather he put it all on Jesus. He could say, imitate me, because he pressed on to make the reality of Christ in him his number one priority. There's no confidence in my, my flesh. There's no confidence in what I do. My confidence is in Christ alone. The challenge is given to us to live a life that's worthy for others to follow. Jesus said, be a what? Be a witness. You know what a witness does? When a witness stands up, they are testifying for what happened. I'm a witness. I saw you and I need to be people who are witnessing His goodness in our lives. So that means when storms come, like the one outside, we don't freak out. When things come our way, I rise up in faith. I'm actually standing on the Word of God. The Bible says that if I plant my life like a firm foundation on the words of Christ, I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. I'm going to apply it. So when trials and tribulation come up, I'm going to show that this Word is actually truth. I don't need to panic. They will see your good works and give glory to God. That's a life worth imitating. That doesn't mean we get it perfect all the time. But what does it mean? Is that we come to Him every day, And we ask Him to help us live this. So this is what Hebrews says as we finish off. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore. Everybody say, therefore. Why do you say, therefore? Hebrews 11, we all know as the chapter of faith. What is faith? talks about all the people in faith. All the ones who have gone before us. Now, therefore, because these guys have done great stuff. Because these guys, um, man, they stuffed up a lot. Just so you know. Just read the Bible. (laughs) David committed adultery, murder, and yet still used by God. There's nothing too far, too gone that you can't do for God to use when you have a repentant heart. Amen? Hear that. Hear that. Hear that. Repentance is beautiful. I love repentance. 
The only reason why I can stand here today and preach is not because of my giftings, because I've repented so many times. I'm trying to become more like Christ, not in my strength, but with His power is the reason why we can do what we do. He says this, Therefore, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses up in heaven. They're watching us. They're cheering us on. And it says, Let us also, like they've done before, lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely to us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before. Run the race set before you. Don't stroll. Don't wander around aimlessly. Run as in a race with a finish line like everything's depending on it. We're in this race. You know, when I, when I went to Bible college over 16 years ago, they stood up in one of our first classes and said, can't remember the statistics, so don't quote me, but something like only... 10, 20% of you will still be in ministering 10 years. That's like, when people say one in two marriages go for divorce, we go, well, I won't be that one, right? But when someone says 80% of you in this room will not be Christians in 10 years, that makes me go, hang on, why would you say that? That, what's gonna, that means there's a race set before me and the stuff we're carrying sometimes is holding us back to finish that race so we stop running. I entered a cross carnival. It was too hard. I stopped. I gave up. I didn't even complete it. I looked like a complete failure. Who enters a race not wanting to finish the race? So what do we need to do? We need to get ruthless about what stays in our lives and what we leave behind on this race. Like if we want the world to see Jesus in us for Some of us, we need to be real with God this morning and go, I'm carrying on to things that's holding me back. And you know what those things are. I've carried on to stuff. But more, I'm saying, I don't want this anymore. It doesn't matter. My salvation's too important. My calling's too great for the stuff I'm carrying to hold me back, church. And that's the same for you. Get ruthless about what goes, but get ruthless about what stays in your life. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very meticulous about what stays in my life. Every morning, every morning without fail, I'll wake up. Before I wake up, no, when I wake up, because I can't do it before I wake up. Before I get out of bed, I have 10 statements. It's called words to live by. 10 statements I speak over myself about who I am in Christ. That I, am, that I am a loving husband. I do lay down my life for my wife. That I will tell my kids that and love them. And I have statements over my life every day. That's never going to leave me. Every day I read the Bible. I don't care. I will read the Word every day. For some of us, we need to start reading the Word every day. And we need to start allowing the Word to change us every day. Every day I will pray. Every day I do certain things. Every day I'm accountable to certain people. I'm accountable to people who help me grow in my faith get accountable maybe what do you wreck what do you need to be so ruthless at letting go and holding on to there's a world outside your window we're running this race for them as well and for us amen be encouraged that Whatever it is, God has empowered you, has equipped you for all things. He loves you so much. When you come in repentance and go, God, I've made it about everything else but you, He forgives you straight away. Hey, why don't we stand? Jesus, we've got this fire that needs to be released. Ah, we've got this fire that needs to be released. You know, before we pray for people and do ministry, if you don't don't know Jesus, 
you don't know this God, you can't tell about, can't tell anyone about someone you don't know. I've told you about him. He loves you. He died for you. And he's not wanting just a part of you. He wants all of you. There's a reality taking place. There is a heaven and a hell. And it's not a scare tactic, it's truth. A life without God on earth means a life without God in eternity. And I want people to walk with Him here and the eternal. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.